This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with non-toxic medical-grade ingredients. Active Skin Repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, diaper rashes, and other types of skin damage. I discovered Active Skin Repair and their baby spray from my community when our daughter was a newborn and had constant diaper rashes, and it really helped and continues to help. Containing hypochlorous acid, which is an effective option for helping with yeast diaper rashes, we just spray or dab active skin repair onto the skin with a clean cloth or cotton ball let's sit for 15 seconds and then apply our balm or ointment of choice with over 500,000 happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews you now have one simple solution for all of your family's skin health needs visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and to get 20% off your order using code PEDSDOC that's p-e-d-s-d-o-c You know, how are we designing systems that obviously help to give our girls independence, but also helps to lift some of the mental and physical load that we feel? Because as you know, caring for children, having a career, managing home, each of those individually feel like full-time jobs. And then when you put it together, there can be this feeling of overwhelm. And so what we're trying to do is really just simplify and really be present in this current stage of life because there's so much beauty to be found in the mess that is living with really young children. Welcome to the Peds Doc Talk podcast, a top 50 parenting podcast in the United States. Thanks to you and your reviews. And we are here to guide you on your parenting journey. And I get to chat with the most incredible people in the field of child health, development and parenting. And my guest today is Tyler Moore, known as Tidy Dad on social media, who's also a teacher, father of three, and writer who helps families find their rhythm, systems, and routine to complement the current state of life that they're in. Thank you so much for joining me today, Tyler. Yeah, Dr. Mona, thanks for having me. And you are a busy guy. I was just chatting. You're a teacher. You're obviously a father. You're writing. And also you have this Instagram platform helping guide families, you know, into creating boundaries with space and clutter in their home, which is what we're going to be talking about. Tell us more about yourself and what brought you to create Tidy Dad and balance it with all you do today. Yeah. So I feel like even hearing you say that, it's like summing it up, I'm still in the thick of it. So I have three daughters. They're eight, six, and three for the first time. They're all going to school. And so I'm working on systems and routines in the morning, getting them out the door to school. And then I spend my day teaching seventh grade math. And then we do it all in reverse at the end of the day. And so I feel like what we're always trying to do, my wife and I, is trying to figure out you know, how are we designing systems that obviously help to give our girls independence, but also helps to lift some of the mental and physical load that we feel? Because as you know, caring for children, having a career, managing home, each of those individually feel like full-time jobs. And then when you put it together, there can be this feeling of overwhelm. And so what we're trying to do is really just simplify and really be present in this current stage of life because there's so much beauty to be found in the mess that is living with really young children. And so through Instagram and through my writing, I try to help other parents navigate 
their own personal messes while drawing from my experiences as a teacher of 16 years and also having been a parent for the past eight years. I'm not perfect. There's no perfect parent out there, but I do try to share some of the little things that are just helping to make life just a little bit tidier. I love it. Oh, that's so great. And using all of those experiences together, one, makes it more relatable. You're obviously yeah. working outside the home. You have three children. You have a partner. There's so many different relationships, connections, and things that make our routine when you have all this stuff going on. And like I mentioned, we're talking about how we can involve kids in this routine to create boundaries with space and clutter in the home. And I mean, maybe even talk about how you get kids out the door and all that. But Mm -hmm. yeah, I Mm -hmm. mean, what would be your tips for everyone listening? And I know you probably have so many, your platform is a great source of information. But starting off, where would you kind of want to start with in terms of um, helping people kind of understand how to create some uh, boundaries and create some routine in their household? Yeah. So one sort of guiding philosophy that I talk about with my girls a lot is this idea of teamwork makes the dream Mm -hmm. work. And it's funny because yesterday, so with our eight-year-old, she's sort of navigating friendship relationships outside of school. And so she gave her friends, my wife and I's phone number. So we're on the receiving end of getting these texts from her friend. And, you know, we're giving our girls sort of this like screen time and freedom of talking with their friends. And my oldest said, I have to get off. I can't you know, like message with you right now, because I need to get ready for bed. I've got to make sure that my snack is ready to go for the next day. I've got to put away my clothes and (laughs) I need to make sure that I have everything so that I'm ready for bed. And her friend responded back, what kind of family do you live in? (laughs) It was so funny because it's like this idea of teamwork has just become normal with our girls. And it comes from these boundaries that we've set around time and space. And I feel like what's so important is that our girls understand that we're always working together. Mm -hmm. And we live in a very small space. It's 750 square feet. We're forced in a lot of ways to confront the physical items that are coming in and out of our home. Our girls, obviously, they have changing developmental needs all the time. Their interests change all the time. And so, first of all, my wife and I, we've had to have that orientation of teamwork makes the dream work. And when the time the girls were babies, the team was really my wife and I. As you know, we can't expect our babies to do anything except for cry when they need us. And we have to respond to their cues. But my wife and I had to realize and work on how are we going to balance all of this care that goes into, you know, bringing up this little baby. And then as our girls transition from babyhood to toddlerhood to preschoolers, then now to being school aged. It's incredible to think about what work they're able to take on, how they're able to support us. And when I use that word work, I think that it is important because a lot of time there are distinctions drawn between work inside the home and work outside of the home. And when I'm using the word work, it actually just means that sort of concept of things getting done. And so there are things like we need our girls to get the dishes from the kitchen to the table so that mealtimes can happen. We need them to know after I've taken a bath, I take my clothes and I put them in the dirty clothes hamper so that then on Sunday, daddy's able to walk the laundry over to the laundromat and wash it. There's so many little things that go into making work happen. But when as families, we really establish that teamwork approach and then equip our kids with the skills in order to be able to help, 
you know, it really helps to foster, I believe, that sense of belonging and that sense of togetherness, which is the core of what I really think you want as a family. Absolutely. And, you know, you're talking already about basic things around the house, like obviously putting things away once you use them, laundry, things like that, which Uh are such small things that add up. And I think that's wonderful. Has it just kind of been this matter of fact thing that you've raised your children with, or have they ever pushed back a lot with it or not really because it's kind of part (laughs) of the family? Yeah. It's a question I get a lot. And what's funny is, is it was last week. I was like, girls, it was the end of the night. It was a long day of teaching. The playroom was a mess. Everything was out. And I was like, girls, I really just need you to tidy up right now. And my oldest was like, you're tidy, dad. Don't you want to do it? And I was like, no. So, (laughs) you know, in funny ways, I do get pushback, like they're kids. And there are times when I have to say, like, you just played. It's now time to clean up. I am stating the expectation, which is I need you to put the things away. There are Sunday afternoons where they're like, we really don't want to fold laundry. To which I respond, I don't really want to fold laundry either. But everyone wears clothes and everyone needs to learn how to fold their clothes and manage their own clothing. And so I feel like there are so many joyous moments that we gift our girls with throughout the week. And as we know, as adults... We don't only get to do things that are fun. There are the practical realities of taking care of ourselves and taking care of others. And I feel like as parents, we're equipping them with skills, but doing it in a developmentally appropriate way. You know, there are really small tasks that we give our girls from the time that they're little and then developmentally they take on more. But the idea is, is that we want you know, the things that we give them to be reasonable, but there is this understanding that we're all working together in order to make our home function so that then we're able to enjoy those joyous moments together. Yeah, I'm very similar. And I like that. Um, You know, we have a very big, we're very big on routine, community, teamwork makes a dream work, but just doing things together to help our living space. And we also have a smaller living space too. And I wonder if it's because of that, that we end up doing this because we can't have all this stuff all over the place. We have nowhere to walk then. Um, Yeah. And it's one of the benefits of a small space because I feel like we're forced to confront it because there's no place for anything to hide. You know, we don't have a basement that you can just close the door. We can't just put things in an attic not to be seen again for years. Like our playroom, it is, we're in a railroad apartment, which means that it's really long and narrow and you have to walk from one room into the other, into the other. Their playroom is essentially a glorified hallway. It's about six and a half feet wide, 14 feet long. And if there's stuff all over the floor, we literally can't walk through in order to get to the bedrooms. And so I do feel like, We have to confront the mess every single day, which really is almost a metaphor for life. Like things can't really get swept under the rug. The example that I gave, when my daughters do give pushback or question, like they're children, they are naturally designed to ask questions and to push back when adults are giving them directions around what to do. But I feel like explaining the why is what is really important. We're by no means a perfect family. Our home is not always perfectly tidied, but we've learned that the goal isn't always tidied. The goal is for things to be easily tidied. And I feel like even explaining that orientation to the girls has been really powerful. 
warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factors No Prep No Mess meals. Chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from each week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust. I absolutely love the spicy jalapeno lime cheddar chicken and mushroom chicken thighs with wild rice. Keep kitchen time to a minimum with Factor Meals because they're ready in two minutes, no shopping, prepping, cooking, or cleanup. I work from home and love the convenience and how delicious Factor Meals are. Head to factormeals.com slash peedsdoctalk50 and use code peedsdoctalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code peedsdoctalk50 at factormeals.com slash peedsdoctalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. As a pediatrician, mom, and podcaster, I want to share with you a podcast I recently discovered. It's called Understood Explains, and this season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. The latest season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP, and it busts common myths about special education. I listened to an episode called The Difference Between IEPs and 504 plans, and I learned so much that I honestly didn't know before. I now feel I can better explain these to my patients and their families and better support them in their neurodiversity journey. Navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences can be confusing, and this podcast helps to validate these struggles and provide actionable tips that are useful for parents, teachers, and clinicians. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood explains. And I'm sure that depends on developmental age. So you have like a nine, obviously Mm -hmm. the nine-year-old for your three-year-old, how is your three-year-old, for example, helping in terms of the stuff that you're trying to implement in your home? Obviously from a developmental perspective, knowing that they may not follow as much as a nine-year-old would. Absolutely. And I feel like going back to the example of laundry, Mm -hmm. that if you think about laundry, there's actually this like developmental progression with teaching kids how to manage laundry. So it starts with you have the really big laundry bag. And what kids at the age of two or three are able to do is help with that process of sorting. Obviously sorting, you can take the big pile of clothes and say, can you find your clothes? Or can you find daddy's clothes? Can you find mommy's clothes? Let's put these into piles. Putting things in piles is developmentally appropriate for a two or three-year-old. But then the next stage is teaching kids how to manage their own pile. So like once you have that pile of things, how can you break that pile into categories like shirts, pants, underwear, socks? Then within those, there's the next progression of how do you fold pants? How do you fold shirts? How do you match socks? And then there's the process of can you independently put it away? And even breaking down just that cycle is really important for naming to older kids because, you know, our Mabel, my oldest, she has said, but why doesn't Margaret, the youngest, have to do X, Y, or Z? And I will say, because Margaret doesn't have those skills yet. She's really just focused on sorting. But someday she is going to learn how to fold her own clothes. And that will be a day that we can celebrate because we no longer have to help her do it. And so I feel like 
with the older kids, you really can break down those steps. And even as a parent, when you can name for yourself, what are all of these steps that go into an individual task? It can be really helpful because we can become very frustrated when we're like, why won't you just pick up? Like, why won't you just go and clean up the things that I've asked you to clean up? But the teacher inside of me, and even as you, the pediatrician, you can stop and ask yourself, like, have I equipped the kids with the skills in order to be able to do the task that I've just asked them to complete? And if there's a breakdown or if there's a no, that's what can then cause frustration for you. And it can also cause frustration for the kid. No, that makes a lot of sense, Um, especially knowing what they're capable of doing. And if you don't know that as a parent, you can get more frustrated, right? So if you think that your three-year-old will be able to do laundry like your eight-year-old, it's going to be leading down a path of disappointment. So it's one thing, like you said, to be able to expect them to do it. But how can you create a system in the home where they actually do these things? Yeah. So I feel like this is when the idea of accessibility is really important. And so, for example, going back to laundry, like if you want your kids to eventually be able to put away their clothing, you have to have a system that's in place that they can access. So like we designed a wardrobe system in our girl's bedroom. We live in a building that was built in 1914. There are no built-in closets. So we had to design our own system, which actually had some benefits because we were able to establish a system that has a low hanging bar and it has drawers that are at their level that's accessible. So they're able to open those drawers and close them and they're able to see all of their clothing. But it's similar to if you want your kids to be able to get out the door, like to go to school with independence. I feel like that's such a pain point for many parents. But we had to think about, okay, If we want the girls to be able to do these things independently, how do we then set up a system for them to be able to do that? Which is why we installed like hooks that are on a low level. So they're able to pull down their jacket. They're able to pull down their backpack. We have shoe trays where they're able to put their shoes and they're able to grab them sitting right on the floor next to the door. We just updated our getting out the door station because my middle daughter was having a lot of stress with socks. And her socks were stored back in the bedroom. And so undoubtedly, I mean, it happened again this morning. She put on a pair of socks. She did not want to wear those pairs of socks. And she was like, I need to hurry and switch it. And I was like, we've got to get out the door. But last week, I decided to just move the socks from the bedroom into a bin in our getting out the door station, which now means that when she needs a different pair of socks, it's right there by the door. So I feel like with our kids, if you want them to be able to do something independently, it's one thing to teach them the skill. And it's another to actually have the physical sort of things in place for them to be able to independently do those items, which goes back to the system. Like you have to set up a physical system in order for the skill to be executed independently. And you also want a system that can grow and evolve because last year, our middle daughter didn't have an issue with socks. And this year she does. So we had to adapt that system to meet the new sort of need that she has. Oh, that's such a great example. And I love that you're using getting out of the door as the example, because that is a huge source of stress for a lot of parents, especially parents who may have a paid job outside of the home because they got to get to work. And Mm -hmm. I can attest that this morning, same thing. It was like sludging along, like, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. And it's like, okay, you know, and you're trying, you're trying this balance of like not being rushed as well and being like, okay, come on, like, let's go. But you're like, also like, okay, we need to move. Um, I love that idea, you know, and that's, 
so much of just reading your child because it's not like all three of them need it. It's your middle girl who is the one who's having that that sort of, I want this, I want that. So you're like, let me read the situation. How can I make this easier for you? In terms of, you know, other places, other examples in the home, you know, obviously with like cleaning up um, toys, do you have an example of like how you kind of create this sort of routine and boundary for toy cleanup or clutter, for example? Yeah. So I feel like, you know, what my wife and I are fully in charge of is setting the boundaries around physical space. And we are in charge of what comes in our home and what goes out of our home. And so one of the things that we did early on when the girls were little was because we have a very small play space, I was describing sort of the size of our playroom. And we knew that the girls had a lot of different developmental needs and interests. My wife at the time was also doing some preschool at home with the girls. And so there's so much stuff that just comes with teaching your kids and engaging them in play. And so what we did was we set up a toy rotation for our girls because we realized that we didn't want them to have access to all of our toys all at the same time. Because our oldest daughter, she was that classic like dumper So we had one of those, you see them all over the place. They're sold all over Amazon. It's those bins. It's those organizers that have all of the different bins and the kids are able to get to all of those toys at the exact same time. And so we set up the system. You know, she was two. We carefully told her like, this is where the balls are. This is where the blocks are. This is where your baby doll items are. We walked out of the room and what did she do? She took all the bins and she she just dumped them all on the floor. And so we were like, okay, we want to set up a different sort of system. So that's when we set up our toy rotation. The idea is, is that not all toys are out at the same time. The girls can always ask for toys from the rotation, but we try to have a one in, one out sort of system. But then we also like to set up new play experiences and refresh the toys that are out. And so I feel like one, it helps with the issue of things feeling like they're cluttered because they don't have access to everything. Two, I feel like developmentally, it helps us because we're able to set up new play and learning experiences for the girls. But three, it helps toys feel new because there's that idea of we're like swapping and moving things in and out. And so, you know, now that our girls are older, they really are very independent at asking for and getting one thing out and then putting it back. Even the three-year-old today, she really wanted this like ice cream doll set, you know, that it's like a little doll set. And as you know, if you have all of the small sets out at the same time, they all get mixed together, which then creates frustration. And so I feel like a toy rotation is an example where you're able to design and organize toys in the way that are based on your kids' interests and the toys that they like having and the developmental needs that they have. But it helps to create a boundary on the amount of things that are all out at one time. And this was also particularly helpful when we had like a three-year-old and a five-year-old, but also a newborn or a new crawler because Legos could not be out when Margaret was freely crawling. And as you know, as a pediatrician, there are so many issues that you deal with and safety is so paramount when you have toys and when you have older children and a baby. And so I feel like the toy rotation also helped us I don't know, just to have that little extra safety net because it was a closet that we could lock, which meant that the toddler and the preschooler couldn't bring things out when the baby was crawling. And we had this fear of, oh my goodness, what's going to go in the mouth, which then causes a whole host of issues that we then have to go to the pediatrician <laughs> yeah. for. No, I, I, going back to like the smaller space, 
you know, my husband and I, we are in also a very small space. And sometimes he's like, oh man, I wish our kids had like a larger playroom and it would be so nice. And I tell him, I'm like, okay, yeah, it would be nice one day to have more space if we need it. But yes, the beauty of this is we do a lot of toy rotation too. And so cleanup isn't daunting. And we have an organizational system where, you know, his trucks go in one bin, his puzzles go in another bin, this goes in another bin. And Mm -hmm. for us, it's like, okay, if we want to do the next thing, time to clean up, let's put this away. And then we go on. Like if he wants to watch screen time, which is coming next, clean the toys. And then we watch not like a, not a bride. It's literally the order of life. And so it's so matter of fact, and it's not overwhelming the clutter anymore because we just don't, we're not able to. And I love in a way it's so nice. And you're right. It it keeps it fresh. It keeps it new. And even I'm sure your eight-year-old feels new as well, like with the toy rotation and, and gets excited again when things come out. Have you heard about the terrible twos or three-nagers? Yes, the toddler years can be tough. There is no denying that any phase of parenting can be really hard. There may be picky eating, tantrums, and struggles with potty training. But there is a lot of amazing things that you will see your toddler do during these years. I want you to enter the toddler years understanding toddler development and behavior so you can better approach tricky situations with your child. With resources on picky eating, potty training, tantrums, and other common toddler behavior like sleep refusal and toddler development, the toddler resources here at Peds Doc Talk aim to provide you with the knowledge you need to, dare I say, find some or a lot of enjoyment in the toddler years. For more on my on-demand courses, make sure to visit pedsdoctalk.com and check out resources for whatever you need. Have a friend? It also makes a perfect gift. Visit pedsdoctalk.com and click courses for more. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Co, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. And I love what you said just there about this is the order of life, because we talk with our girls about this too. It's like, we choose what we want to play with. We then play with the item. Then we put away the item that we've just played with. And then it's like that cycle continue to repeat because what feels overwhelming is when everything is all out at the same time, that mess feels super overwhelming. And that's when it's going back to like the developmental skill level of a kid. You know, some older kids can handle the like, let me put away Legos now. Let me put away this. They don't just see that full mess. They're able to identify like, what is the entry point for me to tidy up this space? But much younger kids just feel completely overwhelmed. And that's when, you know, they just feel completely defeated. And even as a parent, it can feel really overwhelming to walk into a space where you've seen that everything is out all at once. And so, again, it's that idea of spaces aren't always tidied, but being easily tidied. It goes exactly back to what you were saying of like, we have the one thing out, let's pick it up and then 
let's move on to what we want to do next. While also having the flexibility of like our older girls, they love their Lego sets right now. And they don't always want to clean up and put away all of their little creations. And so it's also saying, it is perfectly fine for you to leave that out right now. Let's just make sure that it's not on the floor so that when we're walking through or stepping on things, because we've all stepped on Legos and it's horrible, <laughs> or we're vacuuming and then it sucks yeah. up the, you know, the Legos. But with all of these things, it's about flexibility, not that rigidity, that there are boundaries and there are rules that we have set. There are norms for how we are living in our space, but there's also flexibility and being able to lean into the rhythms of our family and being able to hear from our kids of what's important or not important in that moment. I feel like there's value in that too. Oh, I could talk to you all day about this. This is so wonderful. I love, again, it's just taking what you have in front of you and just making it work for you as a family is what this is all about. In terms of like, let's say your, your oldest child or even all three, do you feel like they've, because of just kind of this repetition and this sort of, this is what we're doing, the order of things, do you feel like they they now take to this on their own, like for the most part. I'm sure as a child, there may be still some reminders, but do you feel like they're innately starting to realize the importance of this as a family unit? Yeah, I think so. And it's funny because my oldest daughter has started leaving messages for my wife and I, like I just found one that she left on her bedroom door, which was, please don't turn on the robot vac to come in here. I'm still looking for my necklace that I lost. (laughs) Yesterday morning, I found a note next to the refrigerator door, which is where their task list for the mornings are listed. And it said, can you please fill up the water bottles before you go to bed so that there's cold water in the refrigerator for the morning. And so it's like cute to see how they're sort of like leaning into this idea of something that I do now will have a payoff later. Like even the cold water bottle in the refrigerator, like the routine is somebody has to fill it when they're the last one to empty it. And so her even being able to acknowledge that like filling that water bottle up at the end of the night is going to help me in the morning. I feel like was just a like, oh, she's like starting to get it. Or when I hear the girls say, we're finished with this, like, let's clean this up so that then we can go move on to something else. Like it takes, as you know, years and years of building these habits, of providing the reinforcements, you know, both positive and negative, of thinking about what motivates your child. And even you talking about your son with the screen time, like screen time can be incredibly motivating for kids. So tie it into that play cycle that they've just gone through. Like even as adults, we have things that motivate us in order to do the things that we don't want to do. And even as adults, which is how we started, like there are things in life that we have to do, even though we don't want to do them. And it's not that we're making our kids do all of those tasks all the time, but the earlier you recognize in life that there are things that I'm going to really love doing and there are things that I don't want to do, but I can deal with that, I feel like the better. Oh, I have two follow-up questions and then I, you know, we'll wrap up. But the first one is, you know, on your platform, you have a great platform here. Do you get a lot of those comments about how we're not allowing our kids to be kids when we're quote unquote, forcing them. And I I don't believe we are Mm -hmm. to do these chores. Do you get that comment a lot? Mm -hmm. I do. And it's funny because it also is followed up with questions of people who have kids that are going off to college and they don't feel like they are able to care for themselves or let's push it even further. Women who send me messages complaining about their husbands and their husband's lack of being able to do things around the home. 
it's this huge cycle. And I'm like, okay, like, where does this actually start? And it starts from the time that kids are very young and normalizing the work that goes into just being able to live. And so that's the pushback that I get, you know, for people who have older kids, you just have to start and explain to them, like, I didn't expect this from you when you were little, but now I'm realizing we should probably start spending some time together as a family doing this. I feel like nothing is ever too far gone. There are always opportunities. And even if you're in a relationship where you feel like you're doing the bulk of the physical load of caring for the home, it is never too late to sit down with that partner and say, hey, we need to have a conversation about how we're dividing things up. And If someone says, well, I don't know how to clean, just tell them that they can follow Tiny Dad and I'll teach them a few things. (laughs) But it's never too late. And I feel like not knowing something is not an excuse for not doing it. And what you have to do is, is you have to break down what are all of the skills that go into being able to do that. And that is your entry point. You've got to start small and figure out what is that entry point, whether you're a child, whether you're a teenager, whether you're an adult. And oftentimes just getting over that mindset of, well, I don't know how to do it is the first step. Oh, and you're, you're raising three daughters. I have a son and a daughter. My daughter's four months, so she's not doing much of anything right now, obviously. Um, but one day she will. Um, yeah. But um, no, my, you know, it is important for me. Like from a cultural standpoint, a lot of boys in my culture, were, and especially a lot of men, were raised not to have to do mm-hmm. a lot of household tasks, you know? And my husband, full transparency, is one of those guys. And it wasn't until he got, we started dating, we got married, that he had to really understand that he can't expect someone else to do his stuff. He would do his laundry, but... I'm talking putting the bowl in the sink, like putting, rinsing the dishes, Mm -hmm, all mm -hmm. of that. And so it's really important for our son and especially our daughter as well to see that, hey, this is not a gender role thing. This is stuff that you said is part of our home. We all can help keep our home tidy and clean and whatever terminology you want to use. And my second question to kind of wrap up is, do you do allowances for all of this? Or is this more like how, what are your kind of philosophies on that? Yeah. So we don't have Mm -hmm. an allowance with the girls, but what we do say is we work really hard Monday Mm -hmm. through Friday. The school week is already very regimented and routined without anything else going on. Like we are forced into this school week schedule. And so what we talk about is that we work hard and then we play hard. And so Saturdays really are our day as a family to go out and enjoy. We live in New York City. There are so many wonderful adventures to go on. And so Monday through Friday, I have a weekday cleaning routine that I follow, which is I wake up very early before the girls get up and I deeply clean one area of our home each weekday. But it's really difficult to clean a space that isn't tidy. So what the girls help me do the night before is to tidy that space that I'm about to deeply clean the next day. But then there are expectations that we have for them, which are their morning expectations. Then there's the evening expectations, which are really just like the opposite of what the morning is. You know, we expect them to help out with mealtimes of like setting the table, clearing the table. They're responsible for picking things up when they're finished playing with them. You know, and again, goes back to adulthood. Nobody is giving us money for all of the meaningless tasks that we do. I mean, apart from the salaries that yeah. we earn at school. Your job. Yeah, yeah, it's your job. But like, 
No one is standing there celebrating saying, good for you, Tyler. You put that bowl in the sink. Woohoo! I'm going to give you 50 cents. Like, why do I put the bowl in the sink so that I'm then able to easily clean it and put it away so that the bowl is ready for me later? I feel like there are a, there's a time and a place for rewards. I feel like with household work, I really want it to become a normal part of living because then when they go out to school, and they see something on the floor, when they see something in the cafeteria, it's not their trash, but they pick it up and they throw it away. Like there are just basic things that I do feel like would help humanity. And part of that is if you see something and you have the skills to deal with it, just do it without somebody telling you to do it or expecting that somebody is going to give you an allowance in order to do that. I am on the same page about that. And I feel like, you know, I hear a lot of families do um, rewards or allowances for chores. And I personally, that's not something we're going to be doing as a family. It's not something that was done for us as children. And you're right on. And what I, the reason is, and I know we could talk a lot about this as its own topic is I meet a lot of families like teenagers that come in and the dad is like, we used to give him all this, you know, incentive, but now he has no desire. I'm like, why doesn't he have the desire? Because he never learned the innate desire to want to clean up after himself. It was always a reward. And at some point that child is going to be, when they have a little more cognitive development, they're going to be like, I don't want to do this. I don't need $10. I'm good. And so, I agree. And don't you want to say as the pediatrician to say, I don't care if you don't have a desire, yes. you have to I do mean, it. You, and you said it already. Yeah, <laughs> you, know? you said it. You said there's so many things in our life and this is not child labor. This isn't anything like that. This is if I'm no. going to do it unpaid as a mother and it's something that my child developmentally can do he's going to help me. We're not going to make our kids do things that they're not capable of. That's the message, you know? Yeah. No, which is like one day I was disinfecting the girl's toys. Like we went through this whole bout of sickness and somebody sent me an Instagram DM and said, when are you going to start having your girls clean their Hmm. own toys? And I said, I am not giving my daughters cleaning supplies. They can help me tidy but they are not of an age to be able to handle cleaning supplies. Now, they love a spray bottle with water in it, and they will walk around with me. And sometimes that actually does help, like for dusting or cleaning, like just give them water in a rag. But I'm like, developmentally, it does not make sense for them to have cleaners in their hands. But they can tidy so that it's then easier for me to clean. So I feel like there's this tension that I know that you and I are both sort of navigating, but I do feel like the goal is we want to raise children who will be able to transform into independent, fully functioning adults who are able to care for themselves and go on to do whatever it is that they would like to do in life. And being like a contributing, meaningful, helpful member of society, I do feel like is part of that and knowing that instead of throwing that trash on the sidewalk, I put it in the trash can. Like that is a very important life skill. Yeah. And it all starts in the home and tiny dad, Tyler, thank you so much. This is such a great conversation. I, you know, I know you're an author. I know you have books in the works and I can't wait to have you back on the show. I'm sure to share even more um, information with us. Where can people stay connected with you and um, learn so much more about your tips and tricks? Yeah. So you can follow me on Instagram. I'm at tidy dad. And I also have a website, the tidydad.com. 
Wonderful. Thank you again for joining us. I, you know, I know we're on the same page about a lot of this stuff, but a lot of it is so much mm -hmm. more than the home. It's child development, which is why I really love this conversation. Yeah. And that final message you just shared with everyone about it all starts in the home, how we create these things that they become better members of society, picking up trash, helping people who need the help, all of these things without feeling an incentive is out there that I'm doing it because someone is going to give me something in return. It's like innately there. And that's awesome. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me. And for everyone listening, if you love this episode, make sure you leave a review, call out Tyler Teddy dad on how much you love this information and definitely give him a follow to learn so much more from him. And I can't wait to have another guest next time. Thank you for tuning in for this week's episode. As always, please leave a review share this episode with a friend, share it on your social media. Make sure to follow me at PedsDocTalk on Instagram and subscribe to my YouTube channel, PedsDocTalkTV. We'll talk to you soon. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. <laughs> well, you're Amy more of a, we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts.